Hello, welcome to Intellicast. This is Season 3, Episode 3. My name is Brian Lamar. I am your currently one of your hosts of Intellicast. P- joining me today is producer Brian. Hey, Brian. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining. Hey, if you have feedback, you can email us at Intellicast at emi-rs.com or on Twitter, emi underscore research on Twitter or Intellicast1 on Twitter. There's so many different ways they can reach us. Um, or they can voicemail or text us, which this is heavily underutilized. If somebody texts us, we will read it on the air. And that number is 513-401-5463. We might even play your voicemail if you leave us one. Oh my gosh, that would be awesome. Play that voicemail. Would be. Um, joining us today is Jason Enderhees. Hello. Welcome to the in- Intellicast Studios. Hello. He's, he's like three feet away from the mic. Oh, sorry. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for having me. It's, it's just, Amazingly, it's his first time here, right? It is. It is. It took you know a while for your people to get with my people, three seasons. But <laughs> right. we got together, and yeah, you're welcome. That's all I can say. It was a tough negotiation. <laughs> um, I'm sure. Before we get into Jason, we have some feedback that you wanted to read, Producer Brian. We did. We got an email regarding our first episode with our guest co-host, Tony Brown. Uh, this email came from Mike. He said, "Get the guest host, Tony, was great last week. He had great things to add, and I think he should get more shots to be the co-host. Oh, there's a vote for Tony Brown. There is. Oh, man. Get in line, Tony. <laughs> Sorry to put the pressure on you, Jason. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. I also heard some feedback earlier um, via a phone call from someone who did say that he had met Tony Brown in person, and he is just as um, impressive physically in person as I described on the air. That was good feedback. He's a beautiful man. If that's what we're getting at. <laughs> yes. He's a handsome human being. He's a good looking man. Jason, thanks for joining us, man. No, thanks for having me. I so appreciate it. I've known you. You've worked here much longer than me. Um, so maybe just introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself. What do you do? What do you do here? I don't even know. Not much. No. Um, I, yeah, I've been here for just over 10 years. 10-year anniversary was in October. And... Um, I've done a little bit of everything here. I mean, I started out in the kind of junior account rep, really learning the industry. Um, I was very green, didn't know market research whatsoever, uh, coming from the finance world. And then here I am 10 years later, heavily involved in the research space and loving every bit of it, <laughs> obviously, specifically the the sample world. But I'm in a business development role. I've always been in some sort of business development uh, capacity, whether leading the, you know, our account management team or, um, you know, strictly in a sales role. That's um, I've been doing that, you know, ever since uh, October of 09. Okay. So, That's yeah. a long time. A nice yeah. 10 years in sample. Yeah. Um, it's, similar, it's pretty similar to Tony Brown's. Speaking of Tony Brown, it's a little bit similar to his history here. You've worked with him for a long time. Did, what did you do before EMI? I worked in the, the finance world. Um, okay. So I worked at um, U.S. Bank in, um, on the, on the um, com- or, uh, not commercial lending side, but on the um, retail banking side in the, in the branch world. Did everything from your typical, you know, teller at the window work to branch management to, you know, vault management, things of that nature. So vault management, vault management. I got to go in with all the money, count it every single day and make sure that nobody was pocketing any. Vault really. management sounds like a nice yeah. job title to pay. That's good. Okay. good. There's a little bit of money rolling through there. All right. Well, I think I thought we started off. I know one thing I do know, like about Jason is that we often type, talk sports in the office. Yes. Um, he's a big Bengals fan. He Ooh. and his family has had season tickets for a while. Um, don't know why. That's embarrassing. <laughs> it's a little embarrassing <laughs> to leave it off. We often talk college sports. We talk all kinds of sports. Um, so there's two current events. We haven't done a sports segment in a while. So there's a couple of, of um, topics I wanted to bring up. First one is this baseball scandal. 
Um, for those of you listening that aren't aware, um, the Houston Astros basically got caught cheating in the past. Well, it's been a while, um, but everybody's getting fired. All their coaches, um, they've been basically stealing signals, which is a big no-no in baseball, um, and using various methods, allegedly, to communicate to people batting. One of them is banging on trash cans. <laughs> Phenomenal to hear that. There's a rumor of buzzers in the uniforms. Um, Jason, do you have any thoughts on this? Oh, I think I think I can sum it up in one word. Just shame. Yeah. It's just horrible. Yeah. It's just, I mean, that's horrible for the game. It's horrible for the players. It's horrible for the managers, people losing their job that haven't even managed a game yet. Right. I mean, it's just all around a bad look for baseball in general. Yeah. And by the way, in Cincinnati, this is kind of the, the home of baseball. We were the first professional team. We take a lot of pride in baseball, despite some allegations of our former players cheating as well. But having said that, I think you have to suspend a lot of the players. I'm hoping they do something big time because that's that's kind of ridiculous. If what's if apparently it's true that they were stealing signals, and I saw that um, Jose Altuve mm-hmm. he um, during the playoffs, I think it was against the Yankees, he was batting like 500 at home when they're stealing the signals, and batting like 100 on the road when they're not stealing signals. So, and there's a couple different players, which is just phenomenal. Yeah, like the difference between home and away. Yeah, that's that's scary. Scary. Producer Is it kind Brian. Of what baseball needed though? <laughs> yeah, well, at least we're Do talking. They need about like baseball. a shot in the arm. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like the most boring sport, just kind of very vanilla every year. Oh, sorry, Brian. Go ahead. No, if you think back to that run where they had the World Series, that was also the same year you had Houston get hit by the hurricane and flooded. So there was that story going around. Oh, it's a great story. Then this kind of puts a sour taste in your mouth. But I'm going to take it to a different perspective. Knowing what they've currently got, they've lost, what, their first round pick for the next two years and their second round pick for the next two years. Yep. Yeah, you had to lose your manager and your coach. If you're looking not just as a base, your baseball team or pick your favorite sports team, would you trade that off for the championship? Because you've already made the money. They're not going to take the banner away. They've already kind of proven that. They're not going to say, oh, Houston, you're no longer the World Series champs. The merchandise is out there. Everyone's going to remember they won it. Do you trade it in and say, yeah. You know what? I'll do it. I'll take the championship. Yeah, I would take the championship out there. I'm in Cincinnati. I have to, right? We don't, we don't get all, we don't get the opportunity to win many titles here. Yeah, we're not the Patriots or the Red Sox or the Yankees. Right. I mean, it is interesting yeah. that you know we've suspected the Patriots of cheating forever. Right now, the Astros are cheating. The Red Sox are cheating. Everybody's cheating. Maybe we need to be better cheaters. I feel like that's yeah. the way to go. Like that's the big names, and that's what's making the headlines, right? Let's let's start cheating. Yep. <laughs> Next sports topic. We're moving on. Um, let's go to football. And this one's a, somewhat of a local story as well. Joe Burrow recently led the LSU Tigers to the College Football National Championship. Rumored number one draft pick. He's from Ohio. Went to school at Ohio State. Who has the number one draft pick? The Cincinnati was also, Bengals. He was also around here in the Mason area this past weekend, apparently. Hanging out at Skyline. Yeah, apparently his girlfriend is from Mason. Jason, you um, are an avid Bengals fan. What do you think about Joe Burrow? I don't like being tied to the Bengals whatsoever. <laughs> that's going to be your. That's what you're known. The Bengal Jason under Bengal Jason. That's good. I'm, I'm in. I, I love the Bengals. Um, Joe Burrow's exciting. I mean, he's. You can't doubt the kid's talent, right? I mean, he did it on the biggest stage in college, albeit, but he did it on the biggest stage, and he did it well, yeah. convincingly. Just the numbers that he put up. 
was it seven touchdowns in the first half yeah. against Oklahoma? I mean, not that Oklahoma had a defense, but even against Clemson, the kid looked just yeah. poised and and just ready to ready to take on the world. So, I mean, it's, to me, that's it's hard it's hard to see the Bengals passing up on that kind of opportunity. Um, although they've made that pick several times in the past and it's failed miserably. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's I'm a glass half full kind of person, so I say let's do it. Let's take them and put them in that. Put them in the stripes and let's see what we can do on the field. I completely agree. I'm not a Bengals fan, but I'm not a Bengals hater. I kind of root for them since I have to live here with all of this miserable <laughs> <laughs> decades of losing. So I kind of root for the town. It's kind of cute to root for them sometimes. But um, I think Joe Burrow could really be you get a really good quarterback. It's hard not to at least be a decent team. And so they have a lot of other decent pieces. And so and they have a lot of other draft picks as well. So I think that if you get Joe Burrow and he pans out, that could be an era of 10 years of at least mediocrity. And that's, that's a Bengals fan. That's what I would want. Mediocrity. Get me to mediocrity, please. <laughs> I'll take it. So if you have any other thoughts on sports that we just talked about, please contact us. Let's move on now to the marketing research news. We have one story we're going to talk about today, and that is about Pure Spectrum. Um, Pure Spectrum just launched... Uh, Pure Score, which is an advanced machine learning driven respondent scoring system and designed to block low quality respondents. Um, they have a webinar um, coming up shortly that you can join if you can look online. We'll probably put that in the show notes. Um, Jason Enderhees, any thoughts on Pure Score? I, I think it's great. I think it's a, a move in the right direction as far as sample quality is concerned. And I'm 100% more than willing to get behind any agenda that's pushing the envelope when it comes to. Um, you know, treating respondents more, well, fairly, I guess I should say, or, or even, you know, pushing the, getting the, the bad folks out. Yep. Anything that can improve um, the overall experience or the overall quality of the data set at the end. I think that's, uh, that's where the industry as a whole should be headed. Yeah, agreed. I like, I like the video they put out as always. I'm sure Spectrum is really good at putting out videos. I'm looking forward to see what it is. And of course, Mark Menig from his, um, um, previous days um, working in quality. I think that they've designed something really interesting. I'm going to join the webinar. And like you, I think that our industry needs more of these things. So these announcements are always good. And I think they're pushing the industry forward. Yep. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Um, next, we're going to look at the 2020 predictions of market research industry. And this was put up by Green Book. You can probably see the link in um, the show notes. And my laptop has died. So it's going to have to give me a second to get that going. So Green Book put out um, a list of 2020 predictions. Um, we'll put a link to the blog, but Lindy Murphy reached out to a lot of other insights leaders and um, had people give their predictions. I think there's about 35. It's a really cool article. Um, we're not going to talk about all 35 of them. We're going to talk about just a few of them. Um, I'll go through it really quick. And then Jason, if you have anything to add, that'd be great. Um, the first one is Technology Will Lead the Way. That is by Ray Pointer. Um, managing director of the future place. And basically he's saying that there'll be more AI, more automation, um, more growth, growth of real qual and more cooperation between the trade associations. But at the end of the day, technology will lead the way. Hard to disagree with that <laughs> bold prediction, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think technology's obviously been a big one. It's, it's almost, 
like it's taken the 2019 bold predictions and actually implementing them, right? Right. So all the technology we've been talking about for the past couple of years, actually seeing all that come to fruition is really pretty exciting, I think, for the industry as a whole. Yeah, absolutely. And like when you go to conferences now, you see a lot of these companies that most of us have never heard of before, new entrants and new technologies. And it's really cool to see it come together. So I have high hopes for that one. Uh, next one, number nine, do it together. This is by uh, Fred Barber, CEO of Response AI. Um, this is kind of the emergence of do it together. So there's DIY tools, which has been a trend for the past few years. This is a do it together model, which is kind of combining like a consultative solution with um, the DIY tools. I see that as um, rather prevalent today because lots of people think they can do things and lots of people probably can do things. Doesn't mean they should do things. Um, they've probably messed it up once or twice. And so this do it together model, I think it has, I, I really agree with this one. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. We've had conversations, Brian, just um, around, you know, brands getting closer to data and, and and really not only closer to the data, but actually closer to the process of data collection and things of that nature. So I think it's super important. I think it's super relevant, obviously, and um, very timely because that's the kind of one of the biggest changes and shifts I think we're seeing is brands are starting to take over and internalize some of those functions, whether it's data collection or analysis, you know, maybe not leaning on the the old school um, traditional methodologies that have been in place with the full service firms. Excellent. I completely agree. Um, next one, number 15, data integration. This is from Dave Lundahl, hope I pronounced that right, CEO of Insights Now, and he's talking about clarity through integration. It's a huge market research theme and acceleration of demand for software as a service, um, talking about agility and collaboration, um, smart functionality, things like that, um, and affordable. Um, I think data integration, when I think about it, is what we were talking about earlier is about um, integrating survey data with other third-party data. I know that's something you're kind of interested about as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it falls right in that same bucket, right? You push the same kind of agenda with the technology space. We're doing the same thing in the integration world where we're just pushing to, to, to get closer to you know that, that point of passion, if you will, with the respondents, but also trying to do it in the right way. And I, again, I can't, the, you know, I can't stress it enough. The more, the closer we can get to um, pushing that agenda with quality, I think that the better we're going to be long-term. Agreed. Next, number 18, the empowered consumer. This is one I really, really love. This is from Keith Rensler. He's the CEO of 1Q. Uh, 1Q um, is an app that I have that um, prides itself on asking respondents one question, paying them a quarter for, for a question, which I think is a fair price. Um, I've made a couple bucks off of that. But basically, this is talking about um, at some point where really the consumers are going to push back and take ownership um, and getting paid fairly and timely for their data. Um, we've seen over the past few years some commoditization of sample and decreased incentives. Hopefully, we see a turnaround. That's what this one says. Yeah, I think, um, I, again, falling in the same lines is pushing that equality agenda. And I, I can't get behind anything, you know, more than I can get behind that. They've responded to have been, you know, for a long time treated just horribly. And, right. and I think it's it's kind of an opposite direction of what the industry has been trying to do, which is let's pay them less. Let's get more out of them and kind of get blood out of the stone there. Whereas, you know, this is a, a fresh look at how we're incentivizing these folks. Response rates should go up and, and really, um, you know, the overall experience of, of survey the survey world should uh, should improve. Right. I like this statement that Keith mentions is that um, 
Businesses need to stop treating them like zero value, value commodities. They deserve to be paid instantly with cash. And I, I completely agree with that. I hope, hopefully we'll see some companies other than 1Q and some other companies start doing and pushing that. And Brian, isn't this kind of the same path that blockchain has been promoting too? Yeah, absolutely. So um, blockchain has been promoting increased incentives. Um, a lot of that is because they're sharing additional data. And so there's a value around that data, right? If I share with you my banking information, that's worth more than 10 cents. If I share with you my healthcare information or my social media information, that's worth more than 10 cents. So we're starting to see increased incentives from the blockchain mm-hmm. companies, and hopefully they can scale it and that'll put pressure on the more traditional companies. Thanks, yeah. producer Brian. No problem. Um, Next is number 20, data privacy onslaught continues. And this is from Paul Donato. He's the chief research officer for the Advertising Research Foundation. So he knows what he's talking about. But basically, we talk about this a lot, Um, CCPA and GDPR and privacy concerns that are going on. Um, So he predicts that this is going to continue. I'm assuming you don't disagree with that, Jason. No, that makes complete sense. It's obviously the road that we're already starting down with other states, I think Massachusetts, New York, some of the other, you know, anyhow, a laundry list of, of states that have already started to follow suit. Right. I think a lot of this, though, I mean, a lot of it boils down to a, a, a tough, probably a tough couple years, right, for the industry. I mean, these yeah. aren't easy changes to make. Yeah. And I don't, I think this, you know, kind of paints a, a, a picture of a pretty rocky road. For market research as a whole, it's not going to be all, okay, well, brands and data yeah. collection companies are just going to start working together. Great. Right. Or, oh, well, California is setting the rule perfect. So all these other states are just going to follow suit. There's going to be there's going to be a lot of difference of opinions and, and probably a lot of loud voices in the room. So um, at the end of the day, though, you know, if we're pushing towards a, a more regulated and, and um, a safe environment for, for respondents and, and, you know, privacy issues and things like that, then I'm all for it. And by the way, uh, Jason and I share a lot of these slides because we're both uh, members of an internal team, the Data Quality Committee, which we have recently pivoted in our new name is the Compliance Task Force because of all these dun, dun, dun. compliance things that we're tackling. Um, Brian Peterson, did you have something to add to this? Oh, just with all of the new compliance legislation going out there, let's hope at least that maybe it's some, that as new ones come up, it's just some common sense prevails. We're like, okay, let's just have a national one. So everyone's on the same page because it's you add a couple more in there, it's just going to become too cumbersome to try to be in line with all these different regulations that all require different things. Agreed. And now with the emergence and the new role for Melanie Courtright, who works for the Insights Association, um, I'm hoping that she'll push that. I'm assuming that's one of the first things that she's doing in that role. By the way, this is the third podcast of the year that I mentioned her, and I'm going to get her. On, we need to get her as a guest. <laughs> So she's getting a lot of promotion with Insight Association. Well, as you can see, that's that's a few of the predictions. I'm going to move on. Um, there's 30-something, um, maybe even close to 40. You'll see them in the show notes if you want to kind of look at what different people are submitting the Green Book as predictions. Um, I think it's a fun segment. More than, different than your typical news, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, next. <laughs> thanks, Producer Brian. Next, let's talk. Um, let's, let's get to know Jason Enderhees. Other than um, working at EMI and um, being a fan of the Bengals, let's do the four P's. The four P's are, we took the marketing mix questions, the four P's, and we kind of twisted it around. It's getting more twisted around the more guests we have. But basically, Jason's picked a couple of new ones, which I'm excited about. First P is Playlist. What are the last three songs and artists that you've listened to? 
I did not go with songs. I went with artists. Okay. And I truly pulled these up. So I know on the way in this morning, the okay. very last artist I was listening to was uh, Tyler Childers. Oh, yeah. I can't get enough of this dude right now. Yeah. He is just, I mean, voice absolutely full glass of soul. Right. And I just, he reminds me, I'm not big on country music. I hope that doesn't do anything to your, your yeah. listeners. But I'm um, not huge on country music, but he kind of takes me back to the old school kind of, I don't know, George Jones, you know, Willie Nelson kind of era of country music. And um, I don't know, just can't get enough of it. Absolutely love Tyler Childers right now. I completely agree. And him and Chris Templeton and who's who's the guy that Tyler Childers is touring with? I never can think of his name. Sturgill Simpson. Sturgill Simpson, all yeah. from the same little area in small town Kentucky, which is crazy to me. The mountains of Kentucky, and I love Tyler Childers. You're going to yeah. see both of those guys in, in Lexington. Oh, man. Can't wait. Can't wait. <laughs> uh, the next one, um, Avid Brothers. They uh, are on constant rotation, um, not only in my automobile or on my uh, phone or anything like that, but even in my household. My kids know probably 70% of the lyrics to the songs on a couple different albums. And um, I just feel like they deliver a, a super like positive life, like just yeah. an outlook on life. And um, yeah. I don't know. Again, kind of a glass half full, optimistic perspective on, on life in general, and just spread a good message. Yeah, you you know that I love them as well. And at what point you have to bring the family to, to a concert? I mean, your kids are young. Are you going to have to bring Isla to the Eiffel Brothers concert? We were talking about. I mean, they're only four and six, or well, getting ready to be five and six right now. Um, but we were talking about if they play locally, if we could get them at like a like a, kind of like the um, the place up in Decatering, yeah, uh, like phrase. Like yeah. if we could get him at a small show like that, we would totally take him to the Avery Brothers. Yeah. Okay. Next, do you have another one? Uh, yeah. Last but not least, um, my wife bought an album for me, and it's uh, Brittany Howard, and um, just so she's part. She's the lead singer of the Alabama Shakes. Yep. And I got to see them a couple of years at um, Forecastle in in Louisville, or not Forecastle. Um, I never remember the name of Louder that. Than Life. Maybe it, yeah, it is Forecastle. Forecastle, yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyhow, got to see them a couple of years ago, and she has been just top of mind for me ever since. Again, full of soul, just phenomenal voice. Yeah, amazing around. performer. Yeah, all around great performer. All right, that's that's a that's a good playlist, mostly because Chase and I share the same taste in music. Um, <laughs> next, P, you're going to go with passion. Tell us something you're passionate about. All right, this is going to sound like a cop out, um, but I'm passionate about being passionate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that is that odd? No, I get it. Okay. I just <laughs> tell us more. I'm getting older and older and as the years go by, I find myself getting I guess I guess maybe becoming irritated, if you will, to a certain extent by doing things just to, just for the sake of doing them. Yeah. Um if I'm not passionate about what I'm doing, I find myself wondering why I'm doing it at all. Yep. Yeah. Give 100% or why you're doing it, right? Absolutely. Completely agree with that. Um, next P. This is a, I think this is the first time we've done this P. Um, this P is parenting. <laughs> yeah, so parenting, <laughs> you can tie it into the passion, really, right? If yeah. you're not passionate about being parenting, then you're pretty much absent. So um, I, it's literally the single most difficult job in the world. As I mentioned before, I have a four to six year, almost five. I got to say almost five. If Liam or if I was listening, she'd be really upset, which she probably is. She's way more technical savvy <laughs> than I am. Um, anyhow, they just it's a constant struggle and it's a, it's, it's like the most rewarding yet most challenging task I've ever been 
well, I've ever been a part of. Yeah. And I just, I can tie it into that passionate piece, right? It's, um, I'm my whole heart just find, found a special place in my heart that I didn't know existed yeah. when I had these two. And it's just on the, on the flip side, that's a constant battle of, oh my gosh, am I doing too much? Am I doing this right? Am I sending the right message? Push them down the right path. Um, so it's just I, I, day in and day out. I love it to pieces, but it's definitely one of my biggest challenges. That's a good, that's a, that's a good P parenting. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. Okay. <laughs> um, last P patience. Why did you choose this P? Uh, probably cause I was talking about parenting. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I get it. Uh, no, I agree it, with that. <laughs> it is. It's something, it's one of the biggest struggles in my life, let alone with the parenting piece of it. Um, I, I'm an only child, so I have the only child syndrome where, you, oh, you got everything you wanted, you're spoiled rotten. But I also feel like we live in like a world of instant gratification. And I'm trying very, very hard um, recently. I've been making an effort to reverse that mentality and just trying to um, really just live in the moment more. Yeah. And, and, and stop looking towards or forward to the next big event yeah. and trying to, you know, be patient, especially with my kids and just, and, and with myself and with my wife and with work, you know, you can, you can really put it to every, every walk of life. It's just trying to um, sit back and just enjoy the moment you're in. So, you know, and, and not wait for the next big thing. Yep. I completely agree. I've, I've thought about it a lot lately, but that a lot lately is that life is short and you hear about tragedy all the time. And I don't want to sit here being focused on meaningless things all the time that are stressing me out and kind of living in the moment and constantly, you know, living life and having fun and spending time with family is very important. Not always focusing on how you're going to get the bills paid and what's next and what am I doing a year from now and how do I move up and blah, blah, blah. Um, and on a positive note, both him and Tony both ended on a positive note. It's hard to, I don't even want to do a rant now. I know we have to cancel the rant for the second ep- the next episode. You can't do a rant after that. So I think we'll just shut it down unless unless Jason wants to do a rant after talking about his kids and being a better person. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, don't, I don't think I'm going to allow him to do that. No, I think that's a big enough task. We've, right. we've got we've got an agenda set for for going forward. Awesome. Well, Jason, thanks for having us. You're a great guy. You're awesome. You're one of the experts in all of sample and the whole industry. Um, just like Tony Brown is, we're fortunate to have those guys working for us every day. Um, so thank you for joining. Again, I appreciate it. If you want to see us, um, I'm going to be in Miami later this week. That's Gosh, that's in a couple of days at the Great Lakes chapter of the Insights Association um, Winter Conference. I'm really excited about that. And then myself and Tony Brown and Mary Draper and Mike Holmes. We're going to be at SampleCon. That's February 3rd through February 5th. That's a Monday through Wednesday. There's going to be a lot of people there, probably a lot of listeners. So we'll see you there. If you have podcast ideas or feedback, am I bringing the podcast with us? Are we bringing it with us to SampleCon? You are bringing the recorder. Okay. Yeah. So, hey, we'll do some quick interviews when we're in Atlanta. And I have one question. Yeah. Now that we know who's playing the Super Bowl and you will be ah. having a Super Bowl viewing party with the rest of the SampleCon people, yeah. who do you got? I don't. I just don't see how Kansas City loses, man. <laughs> so but after, I mean, after last night, San Francisco looked good too. I think Kansas City is going to pull it out. I'm really rooting for Andy Reid. He gets a he gets a lot of ridicule over his life, yeah. um, but I think he's a really good coach. And I think Patrick Mahomes is going to take the leap. He's he's going to be ruling that conference. I think unless Joe Burrow can kind of take his place, but I think Patrick Mahomes is too good. Do you have any, I I'm right there with you. I was thinking about this uh, earlier today, just like who's, I mean, it's, I think it's a one point spread now to open. Yeah. Up. It's really close. Yeah, yeah. Kansas City minus one. So it's, um, 
it's going to be a fantastic game, I yeah. think. Yeah. Um, and I think the good thing is, I think these teams are going to be around for quite a while. Yeah. So we're probably, we Both may get to see, yeah, we may get to see maybe a couple more versions of this game Ugh. more than once. So I see, I see Kansas City winning though. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you see us at SampleCon, come say hi. A bunch of us will be there. Um, talk about the podcast. We always like to talk about that. Um, and you can follow us at EMI underscore research on Twitter, IntelliCast1 on Twitter, or you can email us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thanks. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.